Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Our sermon text for this morning's meditation is our epistle lesson recorded for us in Paul's letter to the Philippians, the fourth chapter, verses 10 through 20. To bring us back in that text, I'd like to read just the second half of verse 18 on to verse 19 for you once more. I am fully supplied since I have received from Aphroditus the things that came from you, a sweet-smelling fragrance, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will fully supply your every need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, this past winter we had a lot of snow, didn't we? And if you were like me, you had to go out and shovel that snow, right? You had to shovel or remove it in some way with maybe a snow plow or something else like that. Usually I I don't mind shoveling the snow, especially our first year up here in Minnesota. I didn't mind it all that much because it was so beautiful seeing the fresh fallen snow and it was kind of nostalgic reminding me of my childhood to shovel it all away. This year was different with how much snow we got. It was kind of drudgery to go out and to shovel all that snow. And yet it filled my heart with joy to see my youngest two sons, my twin sons who are five years old, would get all their snow gear on and they'd rush out with their little shovels to come and shovel with dad. And why did they do that? They wanted to come shovel with me because they loved their dad and they wanted to be just like me. Have you ever shoveled with a little kid before, though? Not a whole lot of shoveling really gets done, does it? You usually have to clean up after them, and you probably could have done a better job yourself and quicker if you would have just taken care of it without them, but it's a joy, isn't it, to have our kids participate in our work. It's been said of our God that God doesn't need our help, that God doesn't need our money, and how true it is. God is the almighty maker of heaven and earth. He has all power and authority over everything that exists. And yet it pleases God for us to participate in his work. Even though we don't do it as perfectly as he would, yet he is so pleased that we respond to his love by wanting to also help in that work. So this morning we take up the theme then, eagerly participate in God's work. Have you ever read through our Synod's periodical mission news? If you ever look through that periodical, that magazine, and read some of the articles there, you'll see how difficult it is at times for missionaries in foreign lands. It's quite a thing to imagine, isn't it? Life in a different country for these missionaries and for their families, how hard that must be for them to leave their family and friends and to move away to a foreign country Maybe live in a place that has much poverty, maybe much crime, among a people that speak a very different language and a very different culture. Imagine the hardships for that missionary and for his family. You know, a friend of mine, he was in a missionary's family growing up in Central America, and he said that the, the crime rate was so bad in their community and many people wanted to kidnap Americans that in fact they had to live behind a wall that surrounded their property and they could never leave that unless they're in the safety of a car. Think about everything that the family members have to give up 
to go and follow their loved one to the ends of the earth as they carry out the mission work. But also the missionary themselves, too. Remember hearing once one of our missionaries, Terry Schultz, describing going into the jungles in the Amazon, how he would go there and trek into the jungle areas for about a month or so, and he said he always expected that he would get sick when he came back. In fact, he expected he'd be sick for weeks. Because while he was out there, he'd have to eat their food and drink their water. Much of the meat they presented to him was spoiled and the water was contaminated. And his body wasn't ready for any of those things. And yet, he would do that. He would go through all of those hardships. We think of missionaries and their families enduring all that hardship. Why? Well, part of it is because God has called them, isn't it? God has called them to go and proclaim the gospel message to people in foreign lands, and they have heeded that call. But they also know very well the serious importance of their work. As the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10, So how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one about whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? As those missionaries and their families know well the call of God, to proclaim his life-saving message in the far reaches of our world. But they also know that they can trust that God will provide for their needs. Even if they are in the midst of hardship, living away from friends and family, with not having all of the, the wonderful blessings we have here in this country. How can they do that? Think of especially the lesson that Paul teaches us today as he says, the way that he himself was able to live enduring hardship as a missionary, he says a big part of that was through contentment. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes, I have learned to be content in any circumstances in which I find myself. I know what it is to live in humble circumstances, and I know what it is to have more than enough. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul doesn't say that he knew by nature what it was to be content, but it was something that he learned. He learned through experience. He also learned through God's Word. Through experience, having much or having little, he learned that he could make it through. Whether plenty or in want, whether he was hungry or whether his belly was full, he could be content. Especially knowing the secret of contentment, as he says in our text for today. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As he could endure such hardships as he is carrying out the work of God because he knew that Christ was there with him and that Christ was giving him the strength. No matter if he had much or little, he could continue his work trusting his Savior God. There's certainly a message for our missionaries, for our pastors and teachers and other called workers among us today that whether God has provided you with much or little to know that God will provide for your needs, He's going to take care of you and your family. Trust Him as you sacrifice so much to carry out God's work. But there's also a message here for congregation members as well. We think about the people of Philippi. They were eager to participate in Paul's affliction. Doesn't that sound strange, right? To be participants in his affliction. 
And how could they? Paul was the one that was suffering. Paul that was the one that was going to foreign lands and proclaiming the gospel message. They were at home among friends and family, among neighbors and people that they knew for probably their entire life. Had good jobs as well. All of their needs were provided for, at least for most of them. So how could they participate in Paul's affliction? It seemed like he was enduring all of the hardship and not them. But the way they could was in this way, by giving their offerings to that work. You see, they would give up a portion of their income, maybe give up some of the, the niceties of life in order to support that mission work. And in so doing, they were suffering in their own way, going without a few things in their own world, in their own life, to also support the work of God, to support the Apostle Paul and his mission work. You know, what a great reminder that is for us in our world today. And many of us cannot travel to the ends of the world to go to foreign countries to spread the good news of salvation, and yet we can participate in that work through our offerings, can't we? To go without maybe some of the niceties of life in our own world and to give to that work to ensure that the gospel message is spread to more people. How can we do this? Well, what was true for the Apostle Paul is also true for us too. We too know the secret of contentment, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But he also promises that he will provide for our needs. At the very end of our lesson for today, it says this, God will fully supply your every need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You see, we don't have to worry that we're going to outgive God, that we're going to give too much to His work and not have enough, and that our, our kids are going to go starving. In fact, God said something similar in Malachi chapter 3. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. You see, God invites us to test Him in this. To give so generously and to know that He is going to open up the doors of heaven to shower down His blessing to provide for our needs as we give and participate in the work of God. And the reason the Philippian Christians were especially excited to do this was because they knew the effect that God's Word had had on them. They knew as the Apostle Paul came to them how it changed their lives. Well, they were people living without knowledge of the true God. Living under the guilt and weight of their sin. Wondering what would happen when they die, when they face the judgment. And yet the Apostle Paul brought to them hope and peace. To know that their sins were forgiven in Christ and that through Him, they had the certain hope of everlasting life. There was nothing for them to fear. What joy and peace came to their life with this message. And so they wanted more and more people to hear that same thing. To hear the good news of salvation. A few weeks ago, our country celebrated Independence Day. And on that day, as well as Memorial Day and Veterans Day, they're kind of special days where we, our attention is drawn especially to those that serve in the armed forces. We think of people that sacrifice so much for us and for our freedoms, 
so that we can be prosperous, so that we can enjoy peace and security in this country. And they give so much, don't they? Those people serving in the armed forces that don't make a whole lot of money. People that have to live away from their friends and family for months or maybe even years as they're out on deployment. You think of the families that they too sacrifice much. And as that service member is over in the foreign land, they don't have all of the nice creature comforts that we enjoy here, but they struggle. Maybe even some giving the ultimate sacrifice of life and limb. We're reminded of that, especially on those holidays of these service people that serve us through the military and give up so much, sacrifice so much for us and for our freedoms. It motivates us to respond in thanksgiving, to respond by honoring them, to respond by giving gifts to them, maybe by providing for them care packages to send overseas. Or maybe when we see a, a soldier in a restaurant in uniform, maybe wanting to buy a meal for them, and when we think about the sacrifice they make for us, it motivates us to want to give to them. Even though what we give is much smaller than the sacrifice they give, yet that is our joyful response, isn't it? Talking about sacrifices, we think about, though, the greatest one who sacrificed for us, the Almighty God, who had all things under His control, all the wealth, all the riches, all power and authority in heaven, and yet what does He do? He descends from heaven above to earth, not to be born in a palace, but to be born in a barn, to be born to lowly parents to live in the Podoc town of Nazareth, without the creature comforts that many wealthy people enjoy in our world today, yet not him. As Jesus described it in last week's gospel, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. The greatest thing that he sacrificed, of course, is his own life as this Almighty God allowed Himself to even be nailed to a cross, to be crucified. And why? Because He knew that it was only through that work that our sins could be paid for. Only through that tremendous sacrifice of God Himself could sin be atoned for. Could we be made right with God? And yet He willingly gave. He willingly sacrificed Himself for us. And that is ultimately our true motivation when it comes to giving and to serving the Lord. Not motivated simply by the need that is out there, but motivated in faith. Responding to the love of God that He has showered upon us through His Son, Jesus Christ. A few weeks ago, we as a congregation passed a very ambitious budget for the coming fiscal year. A budget that would require us to increase our offerings by something, something like 17% over the last year. There are many wonders and concerns how we'll, we'll possibly accomplish that, but there is so much need. As we carry out so much work here at Peace, gospel work, proclaiming the good news of salvation here in our community, and especially through Christian education among our young. One of our members came up to me a little while after that, and he, he said to me, Pastor, you know, I almost wish it was like back in the Old Testament times. He said, back in the Old Testament times, God commanded His people to give their tithe and their sacrifice to Him. And yet, so often, many of those gifts 
went up in smoke, literally. That yes, some of those things were given to provide for the needs of the priests and others in the temple there, but much of the sacrifice, much of the grain, much of the meat that was given just was burned as an offering to God. He said, what a good reminder that is that our gifts aren't simply given because of the need of the church, but they are given in response to what God has done for us. They are given in faith. What a good point, a good thing for us to each remember as well. Yes, there are many needs in the church, but the number one reason we give is in response to what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Was I happy to have my twins come out and shovel with me in those winter days? Of course I was. Even though they did that work imperfectly, they did it in response to their love for me. They loved me and they wanted to be just like Dad and to help him in his work. Well, may your love for your Heavenly Father motivate you to also participate eagerly in his work for he has done so much for us through his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I invite the congregation to please rise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.